On this episode of At Large with Alex Wong, I'm joined by comedian Neil Brennan. We talked about ways to improve baseball, watching summer league games with Blake Griffin, and whether he thinks Chappelle's show will ever come back. Here's the interview. Writer, director, producer, comedian, Neil, what else am I missing? Um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Podcaster. I'm a podcast guest. I'm huge in the podcast guest community. Yeah. You, you enjoy doing these podcast interviews? Not at all. Um, no, I, they're, imp, they, you know, we've started, it's, uh, this is, it's, it's a Pandora's box of, uh, of too many podcasts. So the part of me is empathetic because I used to have a podcast and I had to book people. So I try to do people solids and be a guest, but, uh, there are too many podcasts. Do you have the same like five to 10 stories and answers that you just have like stock answers? Basically. Yeah. I mean, you could cut <laughs> this together from other interviews and do the same thing, but it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to sell ads off that. So now I'll give you these, I'll give you these stories firsthand. You can sell ads and get some click throughs and fucking, uh, optimize. Wow. You just made me want to not, you just made me want to not do this podcast. Oh, you don't. You shouldn't do this podcast. That's fine, though. You've already committed, so go ahead and enjoy it. So uh, you just like a move. It's like fucking running for office, where you're like, "Can you donate your time, please? I will have here's the dial in." You just feel like a goofball after a while. So I want to start with some sports-related topics with you. Yes. Yes, sir. So, I mean, just personally, did you play a lot of sports growing up, watch a lot of sports? Like, what was sports in your life? Uh, I'm the youngest of 10 kids, so I have five older brothers. Um, we played a lot of, like, backyard sports, and then uh, we lived near a golf course. We were all caddies. So I caddied. Uh, so I guess I was in the sports business, I guess, as a caddy. It sounds like a weird thing to say. Uh, then my oldest brother, Joe, became a caddy on the PGA Tour and caddied for Craig Stadler, like when he won the Masters and all this stuff. So, so we were sort of, you know, adjacent. And then another brother of mine, Tommy, uh, worked <clears throat> as an usher in Chicago. And he, so he worked uh, at Wrigley Field and um, the Chicago Stadium, Comiskey, um, and so I used to go, I used to go to Cubs games like constantly when I was like 10, like by myself. Um, and, uh, like I knew all the ushers, they would literally just let me in. They would just open a gate and I would just walk in. Um, cause I was like a cute kid. And, uh, and, uh, so I've all, that also speaks to like how different the world used to be where just like, yeah, 10 year old. You'll go, you'll take the train, and then you'll get off, and you'll go to Wrigley Field, and the officers will let you in. And uh, you'll just you'll just literally, you won't have a seat. You'll just walk around Wrigley Field the whole game. And then my brother worked in the press box, so I would go, like, toward the end. Like, the eighth, seventh, eighth inning, I would go up there, and then sometimes I could just sit in the press box. So, like, I've had a really charmed uh, existence in terms of <clears throat> older brothers and sisters kind of uh, – hooking me up with stuff. And now I just try to help Look, I don't have kids. So I try to hook their kids up with, with, uh, with, uh, tickets and stuff. 
when so, they want them. So what was your favorite sport to watch growing up? Was it baseball? Uh, you know what's funny? Uh, I like, yeah, I think it became basketball because while I was, uh, while I lived in Chicago, Michael Jordan came. And, uh, and so that I already like basketball and I, this is like a ton, this is like a, you won't believe this story, but Michael Jordan's rookie year, I like was at the stadium and at shoot around, like I'd get there like, you know, two hours before or something because my brother had to be there. So I would just, you know, no one would be there. Uh, but Michael Jordan was coming off shoot around, like, you know, like warm up before the crowds there, like two hours before getting shots up as it's now known. And uh, he was Michael Jordan was mistaken by two white girls uh, for a guy named Orlando Woolridge. Um, now it seems impossible that there was a time when Michael Jordan wasn't recognizable, <laughs> but I witnessed it firsthand. Um, and I and it and it was also interesting to see him get his feelings hurt. Like I remember him getting like, oh. So I'm an old man. I also knew Ty Cobb personally. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that would be like, I like basketball and it's sort of, uh, I've stayed with basketball my, in my life. Like I don't, I now think football's too violent. Baseball, I find pitifully boring. Um, and, uh, so now I like, I like a, I like uh basketball. I can watch golf if Tigers playing and um that's about the and I'll go to like fights with Chappelle sometimes, which I enjoy. So, fights are just so spectacular just in terms of like the atmosphere and the tension and the and the uh it's just like in like the last the last uh triple G um Canelo fight, I was literally sitting ringside to the point like there was no one in front of me and like I got sweat on my shoes like on some raging bull type shit where like one of them punched it's it was the best seats I've ever had for anything I feel um, like box and I also get uh when I'm in New York I friends when I work for the Knicks so I get good seats for that too yeah I think boxing events so, uh, yeah go ahead yeah what were you saying no 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 boxing what Boxing events, I've never been to one. I feel like it's fun to, maybe it's not for you, but like, I, I feel like it's fun to like celebrity watch, see who's there, who's in the front no, it row. Is fun. It's totally fun. Yeah, yeah, I don't, it's, yeah, it's totally fun. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, uh, it's, I'm more interested in like seeing how insane boxing makes men, <laughs> meaning it's like, it'll make, it's the only sport that'll make a man wear a fur coat like a mink to the fight. Like there's not a lot of other sports that make a man, like occasionally football when it's cold, but like just a guy, like a, you'll see like dozens of men wearing mink coats, which is just funny to me. Um, and then the atmosphere in the weekend and like, we're going to this place, then we're going to that place. And you know, it's a, uh, it's a, it's fevered for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned that football and baseball are sports that you don't enjoy as much anymore. So, yeah. If you were to fix something, what? How would you fix? Let, let's start with baseball. How would you fix baseball if you could change the rules to make it more entertaining? I think that. I mean, I don't. There's a forty second break between each pitch now. <laughs> it's like, dude, this. this you're just. Wa I don't want to watch a guy walk around and spit 
and like look at another guy, look at this guy, fucking like you know, rub his arm. It's like you guys got to speed this up. There really should be like a shot clock um, in baseball, like a pitch clock, like you have 15 seconds. Um, and uh, and then I also like I don't really relate to the baseball player as a person, meaning I have, feel like I have a lot in common with basketball players just like on a personal level, uh, like physically and spiritually. <laughs> Whereas baseball players, it's a bunch of like uh, South and Central American dudes um, who like they would rather be in their home country and, and then a bunch of... Uh, white dudes with huge asses that love fishing. <laughs> and I just don't relate to any of those people. <laughs> Whereas like basketball players, like, you know, we all like stand up. We all like, we're all like sort of like hip hop and stand up. And like, you know, like I saw Kevin Love like a week ago, we taught, we hung out for a while. Like just guys that I know a little bit, Harrison Barnes, I'm buddies with more NBA players than, um, than any other sport because, uh, like the only football player I'm buddies with is Aaron Foster, and he's basically like such a weirdo as far as he doesn't really like football. So, uh, so I just re- I find I find uh, I find basketball players more relatable on a personal level, which makes me enjoy the game more. And I just like the game. It's just like I I get it. I uh, I enjoy watching it, and um, and it's like I like the. It's the sport I played the most. You can still kind of play it. I'm at the I'm in the uh, torn Achilles tendon window of age, so I don't play. But um, but yeah, so that's kind of my preference for uh, for 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 basketball. It's personal, and I just have always liked the game. You can also just watch a guy. Someone is great every game. Like you know what I mean. Like very rarely. Like, you watch a Rockets game, Harden's going to be great. You watch a Lakers game, LeBron's going to be great. They, great things happen more often. You watch a, a, a Golden State game, any one of them could be great, like freakishly great almost every game. Whereas, like, it would be like in baseball if there was like, yeah, usually every game a guy will hit three home runs, one guy. Um, so I like how it allows for uh, – like more spectacle and I like that there's 10 people that I need to, I only need to watch 10 people. Um, whereas football, it's like of these uh, 22 people, (laughs) it's just like, it's just too, it's just too much of a melee. Um, and then of course, baseball, it's only 10, but it's, they're all big butt fishermen. Um, so, you know, um, so that's my, that's why I don't like baseball. I feel like baseball should be five innings. You know how like TV shows went from 22 episodes and now yeah, people do 13 absolutely. and like eight. Like, yeah. I, I don't know why yeah. it has to be the same like today. Yeah. I stopped golfing at, like as a pastime because I lived in New York and it would take 11 hours to golf <laughs> all in. I'm not kidding. Rent the car, go to the car rental place, rent the car, drive to Jersey, uh, warm up, Play takes five hours. Drive back to the city, return the car rental, get on the train, go home, and it's just like now. This is this take. This is too much. You guys aren't trying hard enough. Um, it's just too inconvenient. 
Yeah, that's why. That's um, why I think soccer. Soccer is the best because you know it's a ninety-minute commitment with the running clock, and then potentially yeah, overtime, yeah, and that's it. A hundred, you know, maybe a hundred minutes, um, and uh, soccer is it's so much tension too. You know, it's all. It's in fact that's mostly what it is. Um, the uh, soccer is uh, is the the hashish of sports. Um, huge everywhere else, but never took off in America. Um, but huge everywhere else, massive. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, soccer just soccer's not bad though. Like, and and it's soccer is actually the sport that I think women prefer most, especially um, World Cup because it's a lot of international guys, and they're all kind of cute. Like none of them are like incredibly handsome, like uh, Ronaldo or something. But like, um, like they're all cute. They're all like boyfriend looking. They're a bunch of boyfriend looking motherfuckers <laughs> running around. <laughs> so you actually you've worked a lot in sports and with athletes. Um, you've written at the ESPYS. You've worked with Nike and Jordan Brand on commercials. What was the first time you did something like of that stature in the sports world? I don't really know. Hold on, let me think. Chappelle show. Um, not, I mean, I guess once it, it really was after Chappelle show. Um, we uh, well, I started going to Nick games like, but between Half Baked and Chappelle show, I met my buddy Dan Schoenberg, who works for he works for like the MSG uh, Juggernaut family now um and uh so i used to go to games there but in terms of like working with guys individually i would say on the espies with with seth myers was hosting and i directed a bunch of stuff and and uh wrote jokes and so on that one we worked on that uh lockout professional sketch um which was about it was during the nba lockout and uh, it was like those guys charging to be like it was like a uh, rabbit, whatever the go rabbit, whatever the thing is where you get people to do chores for you. Um, so it was like, that's where I met Kevin Love. That's where I met Blake. That's where I met, uh, who else was in that one? Channing Fry, not Channing Fry. Um, uh, guy who plays for the Lakers now. He looks like a noble rapper. Um, <laughs> center. But I can't remember his name. Tyson Chandler? Um, but, uh, Tyson Chandler, that's correct. He looks like a noble rapper. Um, he looks like Common and J. Cole had a baby. Um, and uh, a spiritual baby. Um, and uh, so those guys, and then all those guys came. And then that's why I met Blake uh, Griffin, like, as a person. And he and I, like, exchanged numbers. And he was, a, he was like, a big fan. So, so that made it easier. And in fact, the funniest, one of the, uh, like, not the funniest, but, like, Blake was such a big fan that um, I went to his house one time. Uh, and he, and half baked was on his coffee table. And I was like, dude, you gotta be cooler than this. You can't just have my shit laying around. Like you have to pretend like it's just some normal thing. Um, so, uh, so like, yeah, that's so, so, uh, that me and me and Blake are still friends, like still like, you know, text and talk and stuff. Yeah. What's it like? I don't think that much, but, but I suck having at, um, at, uh, I was getting a drink with my friend, and he was there with with uh, Channing Fry, a bunch of their friends. Yeah, what's it like when an NBA player, an athlete, like 
Blake Griffin is starstruck by you? It, I don't really know. It's more just like they want to ask questions. It's we're all like, it's basically an exchange where I say what's so and so like, and he says what's so and so like. Like we both like can give each other insider knowledge of uh, of our um, of our relative of our of our of our field of expertise. So it's not so much like, hey, will you sign this? You know what I mean? Like. Um, <laughs> It's it really it just it it like the the mutual starstruckness cancels each other out and we can just hang out. You know what I mean? Like we can just hang out like dudes and make fun of each other and eat like guys do. What have you learned about his profession that you didn't know that you had to learn through him? What I learned. Okay, so did you watch the you watch the I don't know when you're going to air this, but you watched the um, the 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 game the other night. Um, it was football games, Kansas City and and uh, and the Patriots, right? Yes. And Tony Romo was like doing like was in the zone. He was calling every he was calling every play before it, it, it unfolded. It was so it was crazy. Was it not crazy? Well, it kind of like, made me I wonder. Never, made me wonder why I, he doesn't have a Super Bowl. Why he doesn't have a Super well, Bowl. Because he would always break his neck. Like it did first of all because he wasn't a defensive coordinator and he would break something. He'd be like it would look it made me realize like, oh, this is why Dallas kept him around, because he's a smart dude and he seems like a genuinely good dude, which he was just maligned by fans in the press because people kept breaking his leg. <laughs> which is how stupid sports are. Um, a guy breaks his leg and then everyone's mad at him. Um, but uh but um, oh, so 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 Tony Romo knew stuff. Where you go, where watching that game uh, was a bit of an indictment of a most announcers and b really a most sports journalism, which meaning and you can you can watch you can tell this from watching their the predictions on inside the NBA or halftime shows of during the during the finals, they don't know what the hell's happening. They don't predict it. They predict wrong. I think so-and-so is going to do this. He needs to do this. Da, 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 da. Very rarely does a guy just call it and be right, right? And Romo made it seem like easy and kind of like, well, why didn't uh, Troy Aikman say this? Why Troy Aikman's been in the booth for 15 years. I've never heard him say anything as insightful as the stuff Tony Romo was just like dropping casually. Right. Um, so, so the point I'm getting to is one time I watched a summer league game with Blake, right. On TV. And we probably watched three minutes of a summer league NBA game. And he said things watching it, just calling out at the TV, like yelling back at the screen. But at one point I said, pause it. What did you just say? And he goes, and he's like, oh, I said, da, 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 da. this guy should be up here. This guy should have come here. He should have helped. That guy should have swung the ball. Like, they know stuff in a way that it w- is, is uh, like, it's, like, so, I'd say it's humbling, but it's not like I have any arrogance about my, uh, my, uh, my knowledge of sports. But these guys know. There are times where people on Twitter will say something about, a joke or stand up or comedy. And I've started saying to people on Twitter, 
you're talking to an astronaut about outer space. You don't know what you're talking about. So most people in sports and sports journalism do not know what they're talking about. And I realize that you realize that watching Tony Romo and you, and I realize that watching three minutes of a summer league game with Blake, where you're just like, Oh, I don't know what's I'm like, know what's happening on the surface, but I don't really know what's happening. Yeah. They're like human hard drives. They have so much data downloaded from like all the years that they've played. Yeah, and you see it a little bit with LeBron sometimes, that thing where he's talking to his son, and he's like, you got the tip in there. Do you do, like LeBron has a – LeBron, someone said, uh, basically has like basketball OCD. Like he knows so much, and he's so particular, and he's so uh, – he is like a robot in a weird way, and not in a way that's negative. It's like these guys are more impressive than they're given credit for. Um, because sometimes they break their legs and they did it intentionally to screw you out of money. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so I don't, I feel like, uh, that's another joke I always have with Blake where it's sports is basketball is the only, or, or sports is the only job where people routinely ask strangers about their bodies or whenever I see them, I'll be like, Hey, how's your leg? <laughs> and it's like, Hey man, you work at Chipotle. Why are you asking me about my body? But that's the thing is everyone feels entitled to ask you about your body, like my body would stay away from my body. But that's the job. Like, that's why they make 30 million bucks, because it's such a weird job. Did you see Blake run away from Steve Ballmer at the Clippers? I game? did see it. What are, you, did. What really what are your it. thoughts and, and on his reaction post game saying that that was just part of his routine? Um, my thoughts are. That's, it's another thing that people underestimate, which is, and I say this all the time about gambling on sports, don't gamble on sports. Meaning, this, the whole thing is so human, you wouldn't believe it. Like, the, it's so small and personal and petty, and uh, like, the guy, you can lose money because a guy had an extra beer last night. Like, like just stuff that you wouldn't, it's very personal. It's very like, it's, it's so much smaller and so much more personal than you'd think. Um, so, so like it's, yeah, it's a, like, it's a personal, it's personal. And like the idea of like, Oh, when guys go, I didn't even see that. What did so-and-so say? I didn't even see that. Or I don't check social media. The fuck out of here. These guys are like pettiness is kind of one of their top um, gifts. You know what I mean? Like that's one of their skills, like leaping ability. They should like test for it in, uh, in, in, um, at the, at the combine is like, <laughs> how petty are you? How long can you hold a grudge? <laughs> Cause that's a big part of it. Like Michael Jordan's just the, he's great, but he's also the pettiest guy in the history of sports. So, and you can use it to your advantage. So like, so Blake goes, oh, I didn't even see bomber. And then he scores 40. Like, did you, so you knew he was there though, right? You had a feeling that he was there. Like, you know, don't, I don't know anything specific about the interaction and I didn't talk to him about it, but like, but yeah, don't underestimate how petty these guys are and how personal, um, they, they how personal the job and just how like if a guy stays out too late that will lose like there's stuff that 
there are things that you people don't want to believe are a big part of uh, outcomes that, believe me, they're a big part of outcomes. Yeah, this goes back to when you were talking about Tony Romo and a lot of people in sports media not really knowing what's going on. Like, I wish the post-game show, mm-hmm. they wouldn't talk about, like, the X's and O's. Like, sometimes it's not because the team didn't run the pick and roll too well. Like, it is because, you know, two guys had a grudge or one guy was out partying too late. Like, those should be, like, the storylines that they should talk about. Yeah, I know, but that then it becomes a soap opera, and then it becomes... It, it would ruin... It would it would ruin those guys' lives, in a like completely. Like it would just make it to the point where not like guys wouldn't play, but it would certainly. Uh, it would it, yeah. It's not. It it is relevant, but it's not. It's like I could explain movies and TV shows that way too, but it's like, you know, or segments on a talk show. It's like oh no, uh, fifteen years ago he said something to him, then he said something, then so he's mad at him. He stole a girl from him. He like it's, you know that that explains a lot of, uh, you know these sort of like sports media entertainment stuff. Um, it explains more than you'd guess. Yeah, so we're just all maintaining illusions then. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 the human element. That's like the you know, that's that's the thing. Like the. You just, it's very rare. It's sometimes it's what they say it is, but a lot of times it's not what they say it is in terms of like, oh, we just didn't have any energy tonight or whatever. It's like, oh, we didn't have fat, like, whatever. It's just because they were drinking or they, you know, whatever. Like, it doesn't, it, it would ruin the sanctity of the sport. Yeah. I think the biggest compliment I could give. Or they already perceive the perceived sanctity of the sport because most of it, it's like all this, it's all fake, meaning the central division. And the Eastern, they didn't go, like, there weren't, like, a bunch of scrappy guys who was like, we should start our own basketball conference. They just, were like, it's a business. They just go, oh, we're going to set up a thing here, and they go, oh, you're going to get to that conference so the travel's easier and whatever. <laughs> I think the biggest compliment I can give the sport of basketball is, you know, people don't even need to watch a single minute of basketball, and they can be entertained by it and know so many names in the sport just because of all the drama and all the pettiness that that goes well, on. Well, all the drama, it's a huge they they it's a sport that's really personally built for it is built for for uh social media and those guys are all pretty funny. Um and uh it's, you know, and it's a small group. It's a, it's 15 dudes. You know what I mean? Like it's just 15 dudes. That's what it is. so it's groups of 15 dudes traveling around <laughs> flying around drinking and 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 playing basketball it's like it's really like an incredibly funny thing and some of them are like wildly rich even the ones that aren't rich are still pretty rich <laughs> what do you think about lebron's foray into hollywood he's doing a bunch of different things now um i have here's what i'll say about lebron's foray into hollywood it is a testament to racism what do you mean, Neil? Here's what I mean. That a basketball player is... White people are so out of touch with the black community that they have to go to a basketball player to tell them how to entertain basketball, uh, to entertain black people. Um, and they just want to meet them. So LeBron is the most successful black producer in Hollywood right now 
other than this guy, Will Packer, because white people want to meet him. And he's a brand of, he's a brand that white people trust. Um, cause you go, well, why aren't there more white? Yeah. Like by that. And I can prove it to you by saying there are no white basketball players producing stuff. Steve Nash kind of was going to direct at one point. Like it's just a testament to racism. And I'm, but having said that, I like LeBron. I like Maverick. I like all those dudes. Those guys are good dudes. So like, it, I'm not mad at those guys, but um, and I'm happy that they're making money and and I and and that they're making headway and and he's gonna have a, a uh, life beyond basketball. But um, like being good at basketball shouldn't qualify you to be a uh, TV and movie producer. <laughs> but because again, and, and then another good example of that was Shaq was the number one name in black stand-up comedy for ten years. Like, that's insane. Like, a guy who's not funny and isn't in comedy. <laughs> he just likes it, and white people trust him, so they'll give him money. Um, so, and he is a brand name, and he drives traffic, da 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 but it's mostly racism. Um, and it's insane. But, I, but having said that, I like Shaq. The times I've met him, he's been nice, and I like LeBron a lot. The times I've met him, he's been nice, and I see Maverick sometimes out at parties. And, uh, and I even donated to their school. So, What do you um, think about Space Jam 2? If you had to cast a starting five for, for Space Jam 2, who would you pick? Uh, here's, the, here's the secret about me. Didn't see Space Jam 1. Um, but I think you have to recast Sean Bradley, right? I think we got to bring Sean Bradley back. He was in the first one, right? <laughs> he was, he was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, which is just, again, there's some more racism for you. Like, well, let's get a Sean Bradley. Um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the guys you would think. Like, you get the LeBron, Blake, um, Tyree, guys that are, like, you know, funny. Funny and, like, uh, chatty. Who else would get an interview? Um I think uh, I think you have Kawhi in it, but his you do his seemed like a silent movie. Um, uh, who else? Uh, the, Jimmy Butler's had some good interviews. Um, uh, who else is fun? I'm sure they'll have Steph. I'm sure they'll have KD. I'm sure they'll you know it'll be the usual suspects, but it'll be it won't be easy to get those guys because it'll be like well I don't want to be in LeBron's movie like it'll be you know it'll be one of those personal ego things that people pretend don't exist. What's a sports-related movie idea that you would like to work on? Anything you'd like to pitch or you've had on your mind that you think would be great? Uh, not really. I, I was going to actually write a bodybuilding comedy. Um, but, uh, but that's about all I have. I don't even really want to write movies anymore. Like, I'm just like, it's, too much pain. it's a pain in the butt. It's two years, and then you've got to wait and see if the joke even works for two years. It just takes forever. And then people, it's, you know, the way the media landscape is now, it's just like, I'm just kind of like, what can I do where I have the most control and I can just get it to people directly with no, um, where I just control it and it's satisfying and stand up. Yeah. So let's talk about your career a little bit. So sure. Half Bake, Chappelle Show, Champs Podcast. Three mics. I know there's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of other stuff that you've worked on. You know, 
if you were talking to someone or you're just you know met someone at a party and they asked you what's like a highlight of your career what stands out to you yeah, three mics would be a standout and um and that would be the first one and uh and the other one would be um Shpelsha. um that's kind of like the i mean it seems obvious but but yeah that's those are the ones what do you miss most about working on the Chappelle show I liked the, I liked the, I, well, you know, whenever people say like, I, I liked how it was, it was really, it was to the thing I was saying about having direct, having an idea and then doing it and getting it out. Uh, stand-up's great. And Chappelle Show was really great for that where we had to have ideas and then me and Dave would write them and, uh, and then, we would make them ourselves. Like they were just home. It's almost like, like I make a lot of Instagram videos because I can't believe how much stuff I can do on my phone. Like it's amazing to me. I can shoot something and edit it on my, on the same, on the same device that I can hold in my hand because relative to back then, 15 years ago, like get a big camera, again, then you got to get the the clips and the tapes and then you got to run it over downtown. You got to, they got to load it in. They, and then we got to edit and it and take forever. So, I'm, I, uh, but I do miss, um, there was a, it was the, the sort of like the, the people in the huddle were like me and Dave and, uh, this guy, Bijan Shams who edited everything with us. And, uh, so like we, I miss the camaraderie and the hang of, uh, working with those guys, like, in a being in a foxhole with them, so to speak. Yeah, and I'm still friends with Bijan, Dave all the time. So like, but we just don't work together, and that's fine too. Like, it's fun to hang out. And I mean, like, literally three days ago, we were Bijan was here, and Dave called, and I put him on speaker, and we were just yelling sketches and and catchphrases, and just you know, and like not even like just not like, hey, remember how popular we were, like. We had relationships with these sketches. These were hooks to us before they were hooks to the audience, meaning like we would live with them in editing for weeks. Like from writing to shooting to editing would be like a five-week process. So we would get, um, we would not, we would, we weren't saying Rick James this, but we would like, you know, like uh, my buddy was saying the other day how, Bijan was saying how I couldn't get, I wouldn't stop singing piss on you the r kelly song like because we just did it in the studio and i he's like you wouldn't stop singing it like you like before it aired or anything it was just a good song <laughs> um so it's stuff like that that like i missed that uh but it was incredibly hard and then ultimately like too unsustainable because it's so stressful i'm sure like netflix hulu or any of these people they must have approached you and Dave oh, about doing something again fun. right yeah, no, I know, but they would. It's not like we don't like. It's not that they don't want it. Again, it would be like everyone would want it, but I, that's not the problem. Problem is, it's not like now we're at different places in our lives, and um, if Dave can make twenty million dollars doing a Netflix special, why is he going to make four million doing a sketch show for eight months? You know what I mean? Like, it's just not. It's it's like why do that when I can do this? You know. Um, and 
And uh, so it's not a matter of people. We can't, we can't get jobs. It's just a matter of like, I don't, neither of us, n- none of us want to do that. So tell the listeners. Like, yeah, go ahead. For, the SNL for a week when Dave hosted, like that was like, you know, very stressful. Like, you know, and that's the six days. So that I will say that that was a highlight of my career though. Cause it was, uh, it was cool to work with, um, Lauren Michaels, who I knew a little bit, but like he was really respectful and like deferential to me that week. Cause it's, cause it was kind of like, it was a bit of like live Chappelle show. So, um, he let me like pick sketches on the air. Like, should we do this or that? Literally it's like up to you, which is pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, and just hanging out with Jost and Shay and guys that I, guys that I'm friends with and have been friends with for a long time. Like I worked with Jost on the SBs with Seth. I've known Jost since 2005. So like, you know, it's, it was fun. It's the personal stuff. It's like hanging out with Shay, writing a sketch with Shay, writing, writing that, uh, election night sketch with Jost. Then rock came, he did it. That was fun. Um, it was a cool and like seeing, you know, uh, Tribe Called Quest and Q-Tip and, and it was, it was cool. Yeah. You helped write Seth's, uh, 2011 White House Correspondents Dinner speech, right? Yes, sir. So that's, yeah, that was another one. Too. That was amazing. That, that was an amazing night. Um, because you know, it's fun it's really gratifying to see someone you care about in this case, Seth, who I've known since I was three, I think, uh, like really get an unmitigated score and really like, like, uh, his like comedy ranking went from like, you know, number 35 in the world to number nine, you know what I mean? So it was like tennis. Um, like he really like advanced and it was really gratifying to be, to help him advance. And it was also, again, another great hang where it was me and John Mulaney and Alex Bays and, and Mike Shoemaker and all these guys that like, I really, really like and really, really think are great. And it was fun to, it was fun to go. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That speech made headlines because, you know, People have, it's been reported that that was, you know, because there were some Trump jokes in there, like that was, you know, yeah, what motivated him to run. Like, do you feel like 0.001% responsible for how the world is today? Not even that, not even that much. <laughs> um, I don't feel like some, you made it, it's like, I feel, I feel about as responsible as when uh, uh, the guy who shot John Lennon said that he was inspired by uh, Catcher in the Rye. It's like, all right, well. Guess who's not responsible? Uh, 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 J.D. Salinger. Like, just because a guy says he was inspired by it doesn't mean, like, it's your fault. What's it like being a comedian in the Trump era? Uh, too many podcasts. Um, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good time. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not one of these people who feels like you can't talk about them or you have to talk about them or, you know, it's kind of like, I'll, uh, whatever jokes I think of, I'll do. And if people are upset that, that, um, they, I mean, I get on that Netflix special, I open with Trump jokes. People are like, could, didn't turn it off immediately. Well, then you're an idiot. 
you're an idiot. If you think he's a good president or a good man, you're wrong. He is a bad, he is a demonstrably bad person. He cheated on his wife with a porn star. Like, he is a bad person. He has no morals. If you want to ride his lack of morality to uh, laws that you want, fine. But don't act like he's a good person. Yeah. What about, tell listeners about Three Mics. I think you probably explain it better than me. It's your work. Three Mics is, uh, it is, um, uh, it is, uh, it's my Netflix special that I did two years ago and I basically broke it up. There are three microphones on stage, one's for stand-up, one's for one-liners, and one's for like emotional, true emotional sort of stories or confessions from my life. And I alternate, I'll do like 10 minutes of stand-up, 10 minutes of emotional stuff, a minute of one-liners, and then repeat uh, ad nauseum for an hour. Um, and uh, hopefully not ad nauseum, but um, uh, ad infinitum. Um, and um, and it was it's cool. It's like it's a different way to do stand-up because I knew I needed to do something to stand out a little bit, and that somewhat did the trick. And it got people a better sense of who I am as a person uh, instead of just like a glib comedian. Yeah, I watched I watched a show in New York when you performed there, and is oh, there? Thanks for coming. Yeah, I say it, that because it was them to have to sell tickets. <laughs> is there a back? Okay, is know. there a backstory to how you came up with this idea, or is the premise just what it is? Like you just sat down and decided that here's the three different mics. Yeah, the backstory was like I would listen to like shows like The Moth and like storytelling shows and go like I feel like I could do that. And then I had one-liners left over from um, Twitter, so I was like, I should, I should see if I can do, I can combine these, you know. And uh, and it sort of, I tried it on a show called um, uh, uh, Meltdown uh, on Comedy Central. I just did like a four-minute version of it, and I could tell it like, oh, this works as a format. Um, so, so, um, so yeah, so that was sort of the, and then I just sort of scaled it out and tried it and sort of tinkered with it and finally got it to a place where I could do it live. Yeah. It seems like you're at a point in your career where if you were to come up with a bucket list of all the things that you've wanted to do, you've done a lot of them. What's still left? What are things that you still want to do that you haven't? That's a good question. I mean, the length of my my pause is uh, is fairly uh, telling. I don't really know. I mean, dude, I, at this point, what I'm my my goals in life are more um, about personal feelings. Meaning, like, I would like to sustain uh, long periods of happiness and and um, creative fertility you know, as long as I can, like that's, I would rather be happy than my goal is just uh, general happiness. It's not like I want to work with Harrison Ford. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I've stopped. Uh, thankfully I, I, like you said, I've done enough of those things to realize that that's not the fulfillment isn't in the thing itself. The fulfillment is in how doing the thing made you feel. And three mics, was fulfilling 
And so it's just doing about doing the intrapelagic looks fulfilling and, and all the things you mentioned, you know, Blake or Seth or any of these people, like it's fulfilling. Um, and, uh, and, um, so I just want to do things that are fulfilling and I don't know what they will be, but generally speaking, it's a project of mine that means a lot to me because it's personal or a project of a friend's who means a lot to me. Like, you know, people I just like, like even I just worked on Ellen's special and it's like, I didn't know Ellen before and now we are like actual friends, you know? Um, and it means, she means something to me, you know? So I guess it's, it's, uh, but I can't say that working with her was a goal. Yeah. And before you go, tell listeners about Comedians of the World. Okay. So Comedians of the World is, uh, the newest Netflix special that I did, um, Basically, they had uh, 47 comedians from around the world, like from each region. Like there's four from America, four from Canada, four from England, four from Brazil, four from Mexico, you know, on and on and on and on. And uh, South Africa, Germany, um, Saudi Arabia. Uh, and we all do half hour stand up specials. Um, and mine is in the American section, which in America and will be the first one up in Canada. I think it's second. Um, and, uh, and it's just, you know, it's, I, to me, it's just a good batch of jokes. It's like, like some jokes, some batches are better than others. And this is, to me, is a good batch. Perfect. And it's a lot of like me too, a little bit of Trump stuff and a little bit of like the stuff about like protesting statues and, uh, in the south so so yeah so it's a it's a it's a potpourri yeah so but give me a sports prediction nba prediction or, or anything a sports prediction that might come true this year um i'm gonna predict and i'm gonna go on a limb here and say that golden state warriors <laughs> are gonna win are gonna win the finals um and i people hate me for saying it and it's controversial and people are yelling at me as i said um, so, uh, so, um, so yeah, so that, I mean, I don't know. That's about it. And Tony Romo will continue to be dominant in the booth. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. Next time we'll make sure we don't give you a pin number for the dial and that's longer than five digits. Yeah. Thank you. That was a real hardship for me. <laughs>